they also can provide in a structured way data to platforms like Adamos or directly to customers or whatever is going on in the future but that they also have then the opportunities to maybe have business models on these interfaces. You are listening to the Future Proof Operations Podcast. The manufacturing sector is evolving and the work that happens on the front line is the key to driving future readiness. On each episode, we bring you conversations with global leaders in industrial companies. Our goal is to discuss trends, stories and people in digital manufacturing and offer the latest insight into solutions. Subscribe and be sure to check out our website for more resources at operationsone.com. I'm your podcast host, Benjamin Brockman. This episode is brought to you by Operations One. Operations One is the leading platform to bring operations to a new level of excellence. By supporting frontline operations from planning to execution to analytics, companies benefit from an empowered workforce, increased operational excellence, and future-proof operations. Visit operationsone.com for more information. Hi, Marco. Welcome to the Future Proof Operations Podcast. Hi, Benjamin. Thanks for having me. Great to have you here. Marco, could you give me a 60 seconds overview of who you are and what you are doing? Yes, thank you. So, yeah, my name is Marco Link. I'm Managing Director of Adamos. Adamos is a joint venture out of the German-European manufacturer machine builder company area. And what we are doing, I will explain a little bit later more in depth, but Adamos is a marketplace, an app store for industrial applications with a special USP that all the applications on this app store are connected with each other so that end customers can use them and can use them directly integrated very, very easy. Talking a little bit more about Adamos, what is your company right now about? So how is it structured? When did you start? Tell us a little bit more about the journey of Adamos. Yeah, so it was a long journey. So we are now since five years in the market, but we changed several times the business model. So the We started 2017, first with the idea of an IoT platform for the whole manufacturing and machine builder sector. Then we changed it a little bit because we had a lot of technology discussions and our target was it more to discuss about values on the end customer. So to make processes more efficient, to bring value to the production, to the shop floor and to all the processes. So we changed two and a half years ago the business model and we said, okay, We need something like a meta platform where several use cases and business models from cross vendors can be integrated through one platform, but not through one technology platform and the things like deploying applications there. It's more like connecting existing applications to this meta platform. Yes, this is where we are at the moment. So we work with about 30 internal employees. The whole team with all the externals is about 50 persons here. Yeah, we have a big uh, product development team, as you can remember, or as you can imagine, we have a lot of topics with taxes, with all the legal stuff that we can use this marketplace also all over Europe. And on the other hand side, we have a big sales team for the both sides, so for the provider side and also for the customer side to support, so the Mittelstand customers in digitalizing their processes in their factories. So to make it very concrete, if I am the head of production in a factory, 
And I want to do something with my factory. I want to develop it further, for example, digitalize it. How do you come in? So why do I reach out to you? So there are many possibilities how you can come in. So we do a lot of marketing activities, but we have now also over 40 providers on the marketplace. They are doing marketing for us and showing, hey, there is an app store, there's a marketplace. And we come in if you have a challenge, if you would like to digitalize and you're not really clear how you should proceed. So what are the first steps? How should you start and so on? And so we can help you on the one hand side with the platform that you can see what offerings the main vendors in the European market have. And on the other hand side, we have now with over 600 companies registered on the marketplace, a lot of experience so about the needs and about the questions that our customers have. So we can also consult them and not in a consulting way. It's more a consultative sales approach. And we say, okay, we can give advices where to start, where do you have the most benefits and so on. So you help me to find the right software, the right technology for my plant, for my factory. So often it's the case that people ask, okay, we would like to have a smart production. How can we connect the machines? And when you then go into the discussion with them, um, you see, okay, the biggest values for them are not directly in connecting machines. The biggest values maybe so often it's in making manual processes more transparent. Yeah? So for example, you have assembly or quality process or something like that. And then it's a question, how transparent is it? Do you know the how long a process step needs and so on? And all those questions, or you have proposal processes in an administrative way. But there are a lot of processes where you can have quick wins that are not seen by the production managers because they hear everywhere and other podcasts and so on. They hear, okay, you have to go into smart production. You have to connect your machines. You have to do AI and so on. But there are a lot of quick wins that you can realize. And we are helping them to find the quick wins and then to get step-by-step step more mature in this journey to a smart production. And also connectivity is important on a later step, but it's not the thing what we see would have the, yeah, the first big quick win and big benefit at the beginning. In our preparation call, we already talked about the procurement process of software, of technology, and how this changed in the past. You have a lot of experience how a head of production, for example, is sourcing their technology, their software, and you are helping them to do that. Today, we want to talk about the software procurement process, the technology procurement process of manufacturing companies. And when I think of myself in my private life, when I, for example, would like to get a new software, a new application, I just go to the Play Store, I go to the App Store, I just download an app, I can test it most of the time, and then I have it. I can use it at some point, I have to pay for it. Let's assume I'm the CIO of a manufacturing company and I need to buy new technology. How is that process looking like today and how did it look like 10 years ago? So, yeah, you described the way that we use and consume software in a B2C sector, that what you're doing with your handy, with your mobile phone and so on. Interesting is that, so in this year we have the World Cup, so 2006, we had the World Cup in Germany. And if you ask the question uh, or the people who are maybe a little bit older and say, okay, what was the most used app in 2006? Then you will recognize that 2006, there were no apps because Apple was not there. iOS was not there, blah, blah, blah. But you can remember on 2006 on the, on the World Cup, most of the people 
I can remember. And this is interesting how fast it went from there's no app store, no easy usage of software to where we are today. In the B2B sector, it's a little bit behind. So we are not in this stage that a production manager today go to the app and say, okay, I need a production planning application or a monitoring application. So this is, let's say, more or less far away. So I think the normal procurement process in the past, so when we talk about last 10 years ago, something like that, yeah, you had partners, you had uh, consultants, you had competitors where you have maybe an exchange and you know, okay, what they are doing. Uh, you can research the market online and offline. So in 2010, we already had Google. So you can Google which kind of software companies are there, out there. Most times, so especially the smaller ones, have one preferred software vendor, individually built applications. So this was a time in the past, you have one software vendor and you build for the next process, the next small application by your own or by this vendor. Or you have an MES provider who supports you to digitize your processes, for example. So it's a, on the one hand side, it's an individual situation or it's a very intransparent situation where you have to screen the market. And technically, if I would like to use the software at that point in time, was it CD-ROM, which I got, and then I had to install it on-premise or did we already had some internet at that stage? Yes, as I said, so the complexity in industries is very high. And this leads to the fact that most of the companies had their preferred vendor and they had very individualized implementations for their processes. So maybe there were some, I don't know, planning or something like that, processes where you maybe had a software on CD-ROM. This was also maybe possible and you can install it. But in the most ways, you had then to integrate this software to the rest of your software world, very individual on a very manual level here. And by the way, we're talking about software. Also today, a lot of production companies, especially the smaller ones, using Excel, are using paper and pencil and so on. So it's doing very paperwork on some things. This is still the case today. But what we see, and this is also a little bit in dependence to the B2C journey that we have, because everyone also in the production area is now already also as in a B2C world, a consumer or a customer of app stores and so on. So that means our maturity in digitalization, also the maybe not digital native persons who are now 60 or 50 or whatever, they are also in this digital journey world in their private lives. And this is also, when you think about booking a journey 10 years ago, so most of the people were not sure or 15 years ago if they should book a hotel in Thailand or a flight to wherever. So if you were a little bit older, you go to your travel office and say, okay, I need it, I want ABC, and then you are confident that it also works. Today, we can be confident that you can book whatever you want, you can fly there and everything works. And this confidence that we have out, out of this B2C customer journey, we see that and also the big companies like Gartner and so on say that this digital journey influencing the procurement or the decision-making for buying software, for example, is also very, very digital. And when we take a look on today and technology and software procurement, how is it working in the majority of cases? Because I assume you are already very cutting edge with Adamos and a platform where you can just click on a button and then you have the app installed. If you compare that to the situation you described 10 years ago, where are we right now? Did we see a change? Did we see a bigger change in the last years? 
Yeah, absolutely. So we see the change and especially yeah, in the behavior of how to book such things, as you mentioned already. So on the one hand side, now we positioned in marketplace. So we have over 70 applications on our marketplace and we see a lot of people come to the marketplace and compare applications, have a look at applications, call us and would like to ask, okay, what is the right application for us and so on. But on the other hand side, on our marketplace, we not only have software as a service products, we also have equipment as a service. So you, for example, can also subscribe a machine, then it gets delivered to you and you pay on a monthly basis for how much you use the machine, you pay for it. And in this sector, the vendor who, it's DMG Mori, the vendor who positioned those machines have 50% of their customers in this new business model over our marketplace are complete brand new customers, brand new brands to DMG Mori. So there's a complete new group of customers who now can also use new machines in such a business model. And what is also very interesting, out of the companies who bought or who subscribed those machines, a lot of them subscribe the machines without having contact to the sales manager or the sales guy from the machine builder. And this is where we see, yes, it's absolutely changing. And out of this B2C app thinking, also on the software area, people come and say, okay, I need something for shift management. I need something for worker security. Do you have it? And so on. And they think very clear in yeah, what we call apps. So in modularized value software packages for a specific challenge, and they more and more asking for that. But it sounds a little bit like the maturity goes in this 10 years very far away. The maturity is all over the market is still very low because the challenges in industry with supply chains and so on are there. And digitalization, in my opinion, is not topic number one currently in the productions. Interesting. Because I understand that what you are doing with Adamos, this is your vision and you think the whole procurement process should go in this direction. But the question for me is, how is the majority of the industry right now working? And are they already working with such kind of models, other solutions, Adamos, and so on? Or how is the process for the majority right now looking like? And are we probably at a situation where we see there hasn't been a bigger change in the last 10 years? So it's not a big bang change. So it's an ongoing change in mindset. What we also see, it's a demographical change we see production managers who are more also in the age of 35 to 45 so they are more grown up with digital areas and so on so we see there a big change but it's not a big bang change so it's step by step that means the majority of the market is still trying to have a look okay what kind of application can be useful talking to each vendor and so on so it's in a very old school way but it's a little bit two-sided issue. You said, is it easy like clicking on an application and then using it? This is not where we are today because every industry application is individual, have to be individualized or customized through the processes of the customers. But we are on the way to do that. So this is the vision. So clicking and using modular applications. But for that, you need a groundwork. You need a, a fundament. So you need the first applications that are integrated in your customer landscape and then add-ons and modules can be added to them in a click and use manner but this is not where we are in the majority today okay 
Let's go a little bit deeper into that topic of how the software is being perceived as somebody who wants to buy the software or the technology. We already talked about the button in the App Store, which you just click and then you have the software. We are talking about trail periods, for example, where I just can play a little bit around and I pay later. There are probably some other things which are used in the B2C world. And you said that B2B software procurement can learn something from B2C. And my question is, what is it in particular? Which kind of things, measures, functionalities do you see in that procurement cycle which B2B can learn from? And are there probably other things which we should not adapt because they are not adequate or they are just not good? So I think one big trend that we see also why the B2C goes that fast is the cloud. Yeah? So software or backends of software runs in the cloud. And this is also the way where we can have this click and use mentality or this customer journey that we know from the B2C. As you maybe also know from other podcasts and from your own experience, not all the companies are at the moment complete confident with the cloud. So in the last five years, there was a very big development with the big AWS, Azure, and so on, with BMW, with Volkswagen, and so on. So those big initiatives of those big companies gave us also a good drive in the market for accepting the cloud. And the cloud is a scalability factor as well for the customers, but also for the vendors. So that means our opinion is we have to make it absolutely easy for the customers to receive the software and the product. But we have still the situation that some of the customers would like to have installed software on-premise, on the shop floor, and so on. And we are at the moment in this world for hybrid architecture. I think that will be also in the next five to 10 years still the case, especially when we talk about connectivity things. You have to go to the shop floor. You have to connect software also in an IT secure way with machines, with your IT systems, and so on. And then you can have, have a way, so we did it, for example, with a company, Schunk, here in Germany. There we had Cybos as this integration platform software on the shop floor, and they have an integration to Adamos. And then the service application, which runs in the cloud, communicates only with Adamos, and Adamos communicates with Cybos, so that also security and easiness is on one place. And I think this is that what we have to achieve more and more, that it is easy for the end customers. And this is this easiness is what we have to learn from the B2C thing. Talking about easiness, when I need a to-do list app, for example, I jump into the Play Store and I start downloading a ton of apps. And then I have that trial periods or that demo modes where I can just play around with it. I do that for one minute with each app. And after the whole process, I deinstall all of the apps because I didn't find the right one. So sometimes for me, it feels like this kind of testing of software um, has some downsides because I do not spend that much time or I do not deep dive as much as I should to understand what the software is doing. What is your opinion on trial periods or demo periods? So what we see, the trend goes more and more away from demo periods. It goes more into in-deep understanding of what the customer problem is. So also the providers of the software goes more into the discussion and say, okay, let's have two hours and let's discuss your challenge. And then we can say if it fits or if it not fits, because that then you do not wasting time with trying out something here. And especially here, it's not only is this the application or it's working, 
the important question is also how is the integration into my existing world is working. So that means it depends a little bit on the software, but I think it will not be like in the B2C that you say, okay, I drive five applications and then I decide for one. It's more like, okay, I have a little bit more intensive process in the decision before. And this is also where we as a marketplace come into the place where we say, okay, the first decision level we can do with the customer. And then the second level, we can go to the one or two specific application providers who can do the deep dives. And then customer has a structured process. And afterwards, he knows, okay, this could be interesting. And then most time they book something like a paid starter period so that you say, okay, now I use it for six months in my ongoing process and then we will have a look how it goes further. Interesting. So probably not everything which we see in the B2C world is relevant for the B2B world and we have to challenge that. Yeah, it's also IT security is a big topic also. It's important that you also orchestrate such a marketplace so that, that not everyone can upload an app there or can provide an application there. So it's important that you have confident providers there, that they have also a good reputation already, that they have already customer cases and so on. And if they are startups, we have a special area for startups. It's also okay, but then we have a little bit a deeper look. Because you know from the B2C there also we have some security issues. You download an application, you say, okay, yes, my telephone book, uh, you can receive it and then all your data has gone away. And this is in the B2B a little bit more important to have a look at this. And by the way, we also have this mechanism that you can say, okay, I use an application. Maybe a competitor of mine have an interesting application, but I will not that he as this application on the cloud gets my information about my production machines and so on. And then you have a rights management where you can say, okay, I will use it, but I will not share the data from my production there. Marco, let's go some levels higher in the discussion. You said you started Adamos five years ago, a new player in the market, place player. How did the whole environment or industry changed in the last years regarding new players which came in? ecosystems, platforms like Euros, comparison websites, and so on. So I think they changed a lot. Which kind of players are now with you? So I think there were different situations. So on the one hand side, so five years ago, everything said, so every company must be a software company in the future. So <laughs> this was so the direction and they said, okay, we need to build our own software. We need to build our own applications and so on. Now, five years later, I can say, This is not the direction anymore on the most companies. Yes, you need this level of knowledge about digitalization, but not everyone have to be the in-depth software provider, in my opinion. And therefore, they tried it out two, three, four years, and then they saw, oh, it's very cost expensive and cost intensive. And now they go more into the direction of, okay, what kind of software is in the market that I, for example, as a machine builder, can deliver to my customers so that my customers have a good digitalized value chain around my machines as a machine builder. And if there are very specific elements, for example, configuration of this machine or things around the machine, then it should be provided by the machine builder. And this is also the trend that we see that we say, okay, maybe it's a white label application or it's a reselling thing so that an end customer gets it from over one channel, for example. But the providers are very specialized in this thing. 
And we saw also a disruption. So that means in two ways. So on the one hand side, disruption from new software players to old software players. So software players who work are still providing applications for Windows 95 or something like that. And we saw some companies also in the MES sector that very early saw, okay, we have to go to the cloud. We have to think about in hybrid things and so on. And I think also some very good old software providers has gone away in the last 10, 15 years. But also the efforts in trying to be a software company in machine building area, in my opinion, goes a little bit away, goes more into the direction, okay, very specialized. And then we go more into this resale and white label approach in the direction of the customers. Do you have an idea why manufacturing companies thought okay, let's start a software department and now we will build software because I find that not intuitive on the one hand side. Probably I understand what the motivation is, but there are different skills needed. You have to build the IT department or engineering department. Interesting that you bring that up because I saw that as well a lot of times in the last years and you say this trend is declining. So you would not suggest a manufacturing company nowadays to start building software. As I said, not in the wide range, so trying to build software suites for all the process of customers. I think in a specialized thing, the software is the connectivity between the hardware world to the process world. So that means they have to build software, but not the software for everything. And this was more the approach several years ago. I think, and also Adamos was the initiative of, okay, we will not be dependent on big platforms. We will not be dependent on big single vendor platforms from technology side, from big industry company side, from other countries and so on. But the winner takes it all platform approach is far away in industry. It's not like in B2C, you say, okay, Facebook, bam. And now it's only Facebook. Also there you see, it's not the winner takes it all. The younger generation will not use Facebook. But they had this idea of when we're not doing something and when we're not providing software to our clients, our own software, others will take over the customer interface. So this is, you know, the platform challenge, the platform story, also from the B2C, so booking and so on, having the customer interface to the hotels, for example. And this was the idea of doing that. But I think now we are more on a level of Yes, it's a tough strategic thing and more or less every machine builder, even if they are having 500 million revenues, thinking in the future, in the past, hey, let's build a platform and our platform will then be the main platform. Everyone thought it, its own will be the main. And I think this goes away. It goes a little bit more now on values where the advantages for the customers and they are also very clear looking at what makes sense and what not makes sense. So there's a lot of change going on nowadays. You are even talking about a disruption. Is the disruption right now happening? Is it in front of us? Are we already over it? How do you see that? I think we are in the middle of the disruption because the circular economy, all the trends that we see in the future, Data Act and so on, Gaia X, Manufacturing X, blah, blah, blah. So the directions will go into the digital world, into digital production and so on. But the way is very long way into this direction. And on this way, I think there will be a lot of disruption going on. And I think it's also still the case that through a specific point in the value chain, you as a hardware provider have to think about where's my play in the future. And I think this play do not end in the hardware. You have to do a little bit software and environment around. 
as you also see in the hardware, for example, for home automation. So just a small example, you have your lights and whatever, and concerning to every light, you have an app from Philips or from whatever. And behind this app is a cloud infrastructure. That means the data you get from your hardware goes over a vendor-specific cloud to an application and over this cloud maybe to a consolidator like Amazon Alexa or something like that. And I think in this direction, it also will go in the industry. That means every machine builder will have their hardware, will build their clouds also with the data interfaces so that they also can provide in a structured way data to platforms like Adamos or directly to customers or whatever is going on in the future, but that they also have then the opportunities to maybe have business models on these interfaces. Because this is more, I think, a way into the future not thinking about, okay, I would like to build everything. I would like to have the whole supply chain or the whole value chain of my customers. Thinking about these steps, how the whole architecture of the industry will be in the future. And then say, okay, a cloud data, structured way to access or provide the data to others, business models on top of that. I think this will be the way. And then also the machine builders will have a good status in the future. You say that there is still a long way to go to change the industry, change the procurement process, bring in new platforms, new ecosystems. How can we speed up that process? Talking, for example, about technology, about culture, about mindset. So the important thing is the companies have to start, even if they are small, even if they have know-how at the moment. So they cannot wait until, okay, we are waiting for the optimal solution. Because the whole, you talked about mindset, the whole mindset, thinking in digitalization, thinking in software and so on, you cannot buy this mindset for your company. So if all your workers on the shop floor, most of the people do not have email addresses, do not have mobile phones and so on. So it's a complete different situation. And you have to, so on work and private, they have already, but a complete different situation, thinking in digital processes and what is possible also, with a view to innovation of those companies, it's absolutely important to start the digital journey, even if you started maybe in the wrong direction. But you have to start to set up this mindset. And then you can push this mindset. You can think about, on the one hand side, bringing early, younger people into responsibility, on the one hand side, because they have by design the mindset of digital things, and they ask other questions when they go through the shop floor. Or you do something like tandem approaches that you say, okay, bring young people into the position with experienced people and build something like a tandem that can push to push this process. And on the high level thing, so what we are doing in Adamos, we are trying to speed it up because we're trying to make it easy. So we are discussing the integration with the app providers before the customer has to do that. So we try to integrate all the applications so pre-integrate those applications before it goes to the customer. And then we can show the customer, hey, it's absolutely easy to consume those applications. Also, if you use more applications from several vendors, it is easy for you. And then also the acceptance will go up and so on. Marco, we are already coming to the last question of the podcast. I would like to know, what is your vision for software procurement in future? So how will it look like 10 years from now? And which role will you play with Adamos? So I think this journey will continue and continue. So we will have app stores in the future. We will have also more than one app store. We will have app stores for several layers for the business applications, for the product, 
also maybe for the device levels that you say new applications for your smart device on the production whatever directly to the plc or whatever i think we will see marketplaces and app stores definitely in the future we as Adamos, in terms of numbers concerning application providers offerings and so on we are still already a market leading marketplace at the moment but we will be from the market position we will be in the middle of the europe industry procurement and we will be the first place when you have a question and if you would like to buy an industry application and for the customers we wish us and we are working hard every day and night on it that they can have in specific areas a click and use and consume manner also for the industry and in the b2b sector here sounds great looking forward to that vision it should become reality marco it has been a pleasure to talk with you Thanks a lot for being on the podcast. Yeah, pleasure is on my side, Benjamin. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening, and we hope you found this episode valuable. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star review. You can find more information and resources at operationsone.com. This episode is brought to you by Operations One. Operations One is the leading platform to bring operations to a new level of excellence. By supporting frontline operations from planning to execution to analytics, companies benefit from an empowered workforce, increased operational excellence, and future-proof operations. Visit operationsone.com for more information.